Welcome to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, a bi-weekly look at all things related to the growing elite clubs nationally, the ECNL. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. Now, here's your host for Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, former U.S. soccer press officer and longtime soccer broadcaster, Dean Linke. May was Mental Health Awareness Month across the country, and the ECNL has done an amazing job working with their chief medical officer, Dr. Drew Watson, emphasizing the importance of mental health for all ECNL clubs, administrators, coaches, and players. In our last edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, Dr. Missy Price, who heads up coaching education for ECNL's wonderful partner, U.S. Club Soccer, echoed that same importance on mental health. Just because May is over does not mean that ECNL stops caring about the well-being of every single ECNL member. U.S. Club Soccer is now working with OnRise. What is OnRise? It is Compassionate Specialty Mental Health Care. OnRise, which you can learn about by going to onrisecare.com, is passionate about providing high-quality behavioral care to diverse populations with a wide range of needs. OnRise understands that mental health issues can significantly impact an individual's quality of life as well as the lives of those around them. However, the traditional model of psychiatric care often fails to meet the needs of the most vulnerable individuals due to a shortage of providers and a lack of willingness to care for those on the margins of society. There are two major focuses at OnRise, player care and employee care. For player care, OnRise states very clearly a team is only as good as its players and its players' well-being and all players need support. For employee care, OnRise has a system designed to allow sports organizations to support the wellness of their employees. Determined to improve the status quo, OnRise has developed innovative approaches that make care more accessible, responsive, and cost-effective. OnRise leadership has made certain that their patients are their top priority. Their clinicians and support staff are caring, experienced, and highly trained in their fields. They are committed to excellence, and more importantly, they are committed to you. Joining me today on Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, are two of their key leaders, Dr. Kim Quigley, the Chief Executive Officer. Dr. Quigley is board certified in psychiatry after completing a pediatric internship and subsequent residency. She has 20 years of experience caring for the behavioral health needs of children and families across many systems of care. She is a member of the International Society of Sports Psychiatry, the American College of Sports Medicine, and has completed a certificate in player care from the UK-based Player Care Group. She has three children and one soccer player who played in the ECNL and is headed to Elon to play college soccer. My other guest is Dr. Brenda McBride, the Chief Medical Officer for OnRise. Dr. McBride completed an internship and residency in pediatrics, followed by a medical nutrition fellowship at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. She also completed the prestigious Fellowship in Integrated Medicine at the University of Arizona. She practices nutritional mental health in Pennsylvania. OnRise was recently featured in the Sports Business Journal as Dr. Brenda McBride discussed their approach and how they have continued to help athletes all over the world attack their struggles with mental health. And after this message from the ECNL, Dr. McBride and Dr. Quigley talk about the importance of mental health. As the game continues to evolve in the United States, the ECNL remains the standard of excellence in youth soccer. The Elite Clubs National League has grown to include over 200 clubs and nearly 50,000 players across the country. With a robust competition platform for teams, educational resources for coaches and clubs, and unparalleled identification and development opportunities for players. Alongside its member clubs, collaborating to create a better future, the ECNL continues to raise the game every day. The ECNL is more than a league. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Once again, here's Dean. 
Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. As you just heard, what a tremendous follow-up show we have to Dr. Missy Price as we're joined by two of the great leaders of OnRise, Dr. Kim Quigley, the CEO of OnRise, and Dr. Brenda McBride, the Chief Medical Officer. I went to break promising the opportunity for both of you to tell me why you created this, because the why is so important, and I'll let you both do it. We'll start with you, Dr. Quigley, and then Dr. McBride, you follow up. Awesome. Thank you, Dean. I've done mental health care for over 20 years now and have always sought out populations that wouldn't have gotten care otherwise. As I grew up and got more involved in sports, of course, I had been a very, very short-term collegiate athlete with injuries, and I call myself the failed walk-on, but had seen a little bit of that myself, lost a friend to suicide who was an athlete while in college. It always stayed in the back of my mind that athletes were a vulnerable population that for various reasons were not getting the care that they needed from a psychiatric perspective, privacy, money. There's so many different ways to look at athletics and the barriers to getting mental health care became more and more obvious to me, especially as I parented my own child growing up and going through the ECNL, through recruiting process, and now on to college. It became ever evident to me that it really was a shortage area. And starting in maybe 2019, I started getting some pretty high level referrals from players, including some players in the ECNL who were significantly sick by the time they got to our doorstep as a mother and as a physician landed on pretty heavy heart with me. And I thought, well, let's try to figure out a way to, to get these guys into care, change the conversation, make ourselves accessible in a way that players would actually take advantage of at an earlier time. And maybe we won't have so many kids who get really sick by the end. So that's how we started the player care program at OnRise. And you, Dr. McBride? I got into it because I think Kim hit the ball out of the park when she said that we are parents and we are parents of athletes. And I have two kids who are both athletes and starting in middle school, just the treatment of athletes in schools, it became evident of the inequity of the hurt that many kids endured just trying to play a sport that they loved. And it was obvious that these kids need help. They're going to need support in the way they're treated. As I mentioned just two weeks ago, we had Dr. Missy Price on and she spent extra time talking about the importance of mental health with U.S. Club Soccer. So now I understand you are going to be working with U.S. Club Soccer and Dr. Missy Price. Can you walk me through how that happened and what your plans are with that relationship? Sure, Dean. I contacted her after listening to a podcast that she put out on mental health when she was working for the USL. And I thought, oh, somebody else in the industry that really cares, really gets it and is trying to make strides forward. When Missy switched over to U.S. Club Soccer, I as a parent and as a physician felt very encouraged because I know how she approaches this problem and how she is going to support the system as a whole. And one thing we've really focused on that she feels very powerfully about and that I do too, is that U.S. Club Soccer is full of very well-meaning people and full of people that love what they're doing. And one thing that is really not talked about enough is lack of support for coaches. The way our system is set up, coaches often have other jobs. They're working tirelessly to take care of kids. The support that they have, it's just not enough. The one thing I'm really excited to do with U.S. Club Soccer is support the coaches through a series of continuing education and mental health education, not just education for them, but educational support and mental health support for them so that we can learn from each other and figure out how to do the best in improving the culture in the sometimes tough soccer setting that we have in the United States. It's different than it is in other parts of the world. And just inherently, we have less support for everybody involved. Great to have Dr. Quigley and Dr. McBride from OnRise. As I mentioned earlier, they're determined to improve the status quo. OnRise has developed innovative approaches that make care more accessible, responsive, and cost-effective. Their clinical partners and patients are their top priority. Can you add on to that, Dr. McBride? What does that mean exactly? One of our priorities is being able to help 
athletes in the best way that we can help them. And one of the ways that we have found is to use athletes to help other athletes. So we have many of our clinicians are former athletes that we have trained in player care and mental health first aid. So those are really the forefront of our model are the player care specialists that are very highly trained athletes. They know firsthand what many of these kids and athletes are going through. And even many of our licensed clinicians are former athletes themselves. So one of the ways that's huge in being able to help is using athletes to help athletes. All right. Well said. One of the things I like to do on this podcast is I definitely want to learn about what you're doing and how you're helping people. And we're just coming off mental health month where I think one of the things we learned is every day is mental health day and every month should be mental health awareness month as we keep an eye on each other. And I think that's what we're trying to do even with the ECNL podcast. And I met both of you at the TST, which is awesome. And I know you're not braggadocious at all, but for the purposes of this podcast, I want both of you to kind of give your story, talk about where you grew up, where you got your degrees and how you found yourself to start this. We'll start with you, Dr. Quigley, tell your story. And then Dr. McBride also tell your story. And that includes kids and family and everything. We want to get to know you a little bit better. Thanks, Dean. I Grew up half-time in Knoxville, Tennessee, and the other half in upstate New York. My parents were divorced, so I spent my summers up in a small town near West Point. And my school years in Knoxville, Tennessee, I was a multi-sport athlete growing up. I was a volleyball player who had dreams of playing at a higher level and uh, probably punched above my pay grade when I went to Georgetown and made it on the team for a little bit of time, got hurt at that point really lost my identity, didn't really know how to go on. I knew I wanted to be pre-med. I was interested in working with teenagers. And I thought, well, maybe I'll do that through running a community center. And I had some really good advice. Someone said, well, if you're a doctor, you can run anything, including a community center. So I, I took that to heart, became pre-med, and that really filled up my time from switching over. I also coached a, a lot of basketball at the local boys club and really started to invest my time in sports organizations, systems of care, how we deliver mental health from a pretty young age. I got done with Georgetown and I moved to Boston, Massachusetts. I did a year health careers program at Harvard University and at the same time was a teacher, an after-school teacher in an Episcopal program. I taught peace and justice and would walk and pick up kids after school, play sports with them as I was teaching them lessons about policing. It was just an incredibly interesting time. I was 20 years old and I had no idea what I was talking about, but it was a, it was a great honor. I moved on from there to medical school at the University of Tennessee in Memphis. And one of the reasons I chose Memphis is because of its rich history, both in sports it's a diverse population, wonderful medical education that I really wasn't going to get any other place and continued to work in community centers there. We started a mentor program at the Emanuel Episcopal Center there in Memphis where medical students would come work with kids, really just continued my work in that vein of how do kids receive love? How do they receive input? How do they engage with people? Who do they trust? Who do they not trust? I really found it very interesting, the impact of trauma on a lot of these kids who become good athletes, right? And so I think that's the one part of all of my journey is, is watching how children's experiences inform their athletic careers. I went on from there to do a residency in pediatrics at Crozier Chester Medical Center in Chester, PA, which as we know is, is just south of Philadelphia, where I met Dr. McBride on our very first day. We've been pretty inseparable since that point. She made some funny joke and I thought, okay, I like her and we've been friends ever since. Then I moved on and decided I wanted to do psychiatry at Drexel, which it's now Drexel. It was Hahnemann University Hospital in downtown Philadelphia, which 
was incredibly eye-opening for me and a fantastic education in psychiatry, health inequity, and various subjects back in the early 2000s, really imprinted on the Eagles. I had been an Eagles fan for a long time because of Reggie White and growing up in Knoxville, Tennessee, but really became an Eagles fan then, got to see the vet implode. Remember that, Brenda? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Still lots of Lots of fun, uh, fun times in Philadelphia. I had my first two children in Philadelphia in residency. Not sure why or how I did that, but my daughter Megan was born, who is now about to turn 20. She is a junior at the University of Tennessee, Latin American Studies major. And I had JP also during that time, who's a rising freshman at Elon University, is going to go play for Coach Mark Reeves. And, and then I moved back to Knoxville and after I moved back to Knoxville, I have worked in public mental health, various systems of care, both inpatient, outpatient, very rural, very urban. All the jobs I chose tended to mirror my educational experiences, either being with highly disenfranchised groups or groups that for whatever reason, they weren't getting good care. My daughter, Megan, has osteogenesis imperfecta, and as a mother, I needed some flexibility with my job. So the people also who would be more flexible were the ones that needed the care the most. So it was a really interesting benefit to me to be able to stay home and take care of her some while doing some telehealth contracts with people that really needed it that no other psychiatrist really wanted to work with. And I couldn't figure that out because it was the population that I had worked with since I started coaching at the Jellif Boys Club in Georgetown way back in the day. I just don't know any other population to work with. So when I started seeing the athletes and really started to understand day in, day out what it was like to be an ECNL soccer player, I look at things a little differently as a psychiatrist. So as a parent on the sideline, I'm kind of, I think, perceiving things maybe differently than a traditional parent, I don't, just different educational background. But I really started to see the stress on everybody involved, right? Coaches worrying about their jobs, worrying about their income, getting mad at kids, kids getting mad at them. And I mean, it's not it's not anybody's fault, right? It's just a whole cluster of, of stress um, that really mirrors our greater society in the United States. But when you're on the sideline of game, you can sometimes see it's, it's a microcosm, right? It's just like any other industry, a, a foreman in a factory, getting on to his, uh, his workers and, and people don't understand each other's perspectives. And so what I, I realize is our coaches are great men and women who are spending inordinate amounts of time with children that may or may not understand that, right, completely. But then children also don't respond well to certain types of talk. Trauma on both sides and upbringings come into everything. So I think that we really just want to make a little kinder, gentler experience on both sides to improve overall cultures. And I can tell you as a parent, you always help your child, says one way I chose. Um, he won't like that when I said that, but helped him look, my son, JP, look at colleges. Culture was incredibly important. Culture, what the coaches you know, were like, what kind of mental health resources they had at the school, things that you don't think of, um, but were very important to me. Those were parts of the questions. What kind of support do you have? And I do think that the next generation of parents, that's going to be important to them in a very different way. So what kind of supports are there for your kids? And so one of our goals is to make youth soccer a really welcoming place to be and a place where you want your kids to play. Same with colleges as well. Great answer and great journey and really cool tipping points, including meeting Dr. McBride on your first day. That's an incredible yes, tipping point. The best I'm, tipping point. Best day. <laughs> I'm a fan of that Malcolm Gladwell book and, and that. Yes, love it. Yeah, you now have the floor, Dr. McBride. Tell us your journey, please. I was born and raised in Philadelphia. I grew up a lot of my life in Center City. Many of my friends were marginalized people because, you know, the city was very mixed. We would just go find an empty lot and all the different neighborhoods would just come meet at the lot and play our games, whether it was kickball, softball, soccer. It just became a great community of friends. And it hurt me from a young age to hear how some of these kids were treated. And also, you know, like Kim said, it really is about how kids respond and how they respond to kindness. 
it makes a huge difference in their lives. So I saw that from a very young age. I was a rower in high school. My plan was to row in college, but through a myriad of events, I wound up going to the University of Arizona, which didn't have water, therefore it didn't have crew. (laughs) So that sort of abruptly ended my rowing career. Although I did come back home and row on teams for several summers. I always wanted to be a doctor and take care of kids. So my whole life has been taking care of dolls and animals and fake broken legs. So I went to medical school in Ireland, in Dublin. The program that they had was very clinical and just an amazing, an amazing educational experience. Very hands-on, learned a lot, finished up there, came back, started residency, as Kim said, at Crozier in Chester, where we met the first day and have never been separated. Chester is a community hospital in a very underserved area. So most of my residency was also treating patients in community clinics on Medicare. A lot of it, one of my favorite things to do was go to give talks at the juvenile detention center, though was my favorite population to work with. And, and they really responded when we were there to really see and understand that these kids, there is help for them. And it doesn't take a whole lot to help. I had my daughter right at the end of residency. She is now a rising senior in high school. And I also have a son who is a rising sophomore in high school. And I saw them through sports and how they were treated. They don't, neither one of my kids respond well to not being treated humanely. So my son who played soccer just abruptly walked off the field one day and never went back. And it was hard to see him struggle with that. My daughter not a similar situation, but just the culture of sports at her school was upsetting to her. She didn't put in a lot of effort into her sport. They're both excellent tennis players now, both on the tennis teams at school. It was tough getting them getting them back into sports and back into competitive sports. But searching for, it was literally coaches that, you know, made it fun for them was just sort of a natural progression to get into how do we help these kids like these are our kids they're they're our friends kids and they're struggling and they need help so we created what we created to be able to help them two incredible people we're going to learn more about that creation after we take our first break as we are talking about onrise you can learn more by going to onrise care.com they truly do care about the athletes they do care about the teams we'll dive deeper with dr quigley and dr mcbride after these messages from the sponsors of the ecnl nike is a proud sponsor of ecnl girls nothing can stop what we can do together to bring positive change to our communities you can't stop sport because hashtag you can't stop our voices Follow Nike on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Huddle is a proud partner of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Huddle's powerful yet intuitive solutions make it easy for coaches and athletes to be at their best. And now it's more affordable than ever. All ECNL clubs can get 25% off on Huddle and Huddle Assist, the game breakdown solution. Clubs of 10 teams or more can take advantage of the exclusive ECNL club package pricing. This bundle includes Huddle and Huddle Assist for every team and makes your club eligible for Huddle Focus Flex the all-new portable smart camera with full huddle integration at one affordable price. You can bring the best end-to-end performance analysis platform for soccer today. Just go to huddle.com slash pricing slash ECNL. That's huddle, H-U-D-L dot com slash pricing slash ECNL. Welcome back to Breaking Line, the ECNL podcast. In our first segment, as we ended, we got to know Dr. Quigley and Dr. McBride a little bit better, and both of them used the opportunity to tell their story, but they immediately went to why they're here and what is here on Rise 
and onrisecare.com. And so with that, Dr. Quigley, you had this incredible career. You also had this great relationship with Dr. McBride. You knew you needed a chief medical officer, but this is a tough question. It's wide open. When did you wake up and say, hey, I got to do something about it. I got to form my own organization and I got to do it now. When did that happen and how long did it take to get to where you are now and where do you want to go? So that's a lot, but help us understand the how and when of you creating this. It's actually not hard. Um, in 2018, I started doing more and more telehealth contracts and we had focused, our mission was focused on vulnerable populations. Now at that point, Athletes was not a focus group for us. I saw athletes on and off, but usually very privately. No one was to know. Um, I live in a town with a big university. So, you know, we we have privacy is of the utmost importance for athletes, their families, coaches, families, as you understand that. But the pivotal moment for me was getting a devastating call from a mother late at night with a young man who was going on to play collegiate soccer, very established and very successful player who was having some pretty uh, difficult mental health issues at the time. And when I got that call, um, I went home and I just wept for an hour, two hours, because I thought, well, this is all of our kids, right? This is all of our kids. And it, and it wasn't anything particularly that one person had done or a coach. It was a system of care. It's a system and a lack of support for everybody involved as far as mental health was concerned. It was a lack of a conversation. It was a lack of just hugs and love and support and understanding throughout the levels of the organization. So I never, ever felt like I'm going to point fingers at a coach that would do something. I would always think, God, what is going on in that, that coach's life? that he's being pulled in this direction, right? Or what's going on with the kid who just got red carded in his life at this moment to make that happen? Or, or the ref who's giving out eight cards in a game, like what's going on with this guy, right? But there is something going on. There's something going on with all of us. And it's, a, um, it's an inability to acknowledge that we have difficult times and that we have some pretty significant events in our lives that inform how we practice our craft. From that point on, I dedicated, and really that was only in um, the spring of, so that would have been in the spring of 2022. It wasn't that long ago when I said, okay, so now I've been treating athletes for long enough. I need to put something into action. And one, I really, really felt very powerfully that the problem that I had had with doing a full scale program is engagement. How am I going to engage these kids? I'm a 47 year old white woman who looks like a mom. I'm a nice mom, but you know, kids are not going to come talk to me, you know, on, they're going to say, Oh, that's JP's mom. I'm not going to come talk to her or, you know, soccer guys aren't necessarily going to come to me. Well, maybe she'll tell my coach and then maybe I won't get recruited. There's all these, maybe I won't get, you know, rostered for this weekend. If we're talking about the USL how do we combat that? And then we realized there's a huge group of athletes transitioning out of their sport and they're highly skilled and they're highly underutilized as a labor force. So we are going to make a job. We are going to train these guys. And this is not a, this is not a system that's unknown to medicine. It's used in all other athletic trainers are to orthopedic surgeons, how they started off, how TAs started off and how case management supports all levels of mental health. Under the supervision of licensed clinicians, athletes could be incredibly successful with, as we know, maybe 80% of athletes that don't necessarily need licensed care. They need someone who understands their travel schedule, understands you know, what recruiting is like, understands when a girlfriend's breaking up with you right during recruiting season, all of those issues, someone to validate them, to listen, and to be not their parent who wants them to go to X, Y, and Z schools, and not their coach who wants them to win and to do the things that they need them to do, um, but just a, a third party who's also been a player, who's also been there. That's how the player care program started, was that we are going to educate players to be mental health workers with this population. 
and we are going to support them. And then we are available. We have licensed clinicians in an established telehealth company that we've had established since 2018 that are highly trained, top of their fields, LCSW, MD, you know, pediatrician, psychiatry. We can support that 15 to 20% who really need licensed care, but everybody's heard and everybody feels supported. And it's a lot cheaper. So then people are saying, oh, I'm not going to pay $150 an hour for an LCSW when my kid really just wants to talk about traveling every weekend really hard sometimes. And I don't get to go to high school football games. Maybe we can do that for a lot lower cost because people aren't necessarily using their insurance anyway, right? And then we can charge insurance. The licensed guys charge insurance. So it really is a great option for clubs especially in the ECNL, whose budgets are pretty tight. And then, you know, with U.S. club soccer, that's where we're really going to feel some significant impact by being able to be part of an organization and support the coaches from that end as well, as well as trying to support kids from the club side. But how did you ultimately hang the shingle though, right? Because you knew you wanted to help. You've been very eloquent on that. So has Dr. McBride, but it's one thing to want to help. It's another thing to hang the shingle that says, hey, we're here, OnRise, OnRiseCare.com, OnRise, we can help you. How do you do that? Um, You just do it. (laughs) You just do it. You just say, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. Trust us. You go out, you knock on a lot of doors. You spend a lot of time. Um, We did a pilot with our uh, newly formed USL club in Knoxville last summer. Um, I went to practice every day last summer to to really get to know the system and get to know people. Um, Fortunately, I'm fairly well-connected through the sports world over the years and really just started talking to a lot of people, taking every meeting that I could take, listening to athletes day in and day out, and you just do it. There's really nothing magical about it. We knew we had the medical expertise, so that's number one. We weren't worried about not being able to take care of patients, no matter how sick they got, because we had been doing that for 20 years just not in athletes. So we knew that the rest was up to finding athletes and finding clinicians that are used to working with athletes and then really doing it. I mean, the fact is it's a pretty empty field right now. There are not a lot of people out there clamoring to work with athletes in the way that we are. And by doing that, you already had that connection with Dr. McBride, but you also have other important people, right? Like Elaine Rutherford, your COO, like Kevin Orpers, your chief clinical officer, like Cecily Patman, your chief nursing officer, Jay Morgan, Todd Hollabush, Amy Rutherford. And then even more importantly, you've got the player care people. What do they do exactly? And why are they so important to what you're doing? I feel like Dr. McBride touched on that a little bit earlier. So I'll I'll go to you, uh, Dr. McBride, on the player care personnel at OnRise. The player care personnel are the people on the ground, really. They're the first contact with any of the athletes. So they're what Kim was talking about, like the case manager, the athletic trainer, the first point of contact to evaluate the athletes and sort of determine what is it that they need? How can we help them by figuring out what is it that they need to talk about? Like Kim said, do they need to talk about their travel schedule, their breakup, family time? These are the people that are the inexpensive, highly trained though, player care specialists that are on the ground and can manage most of the issues that these athletes are facing. And they've all been there. So they know firsthand what it all means and what they're going through. Yeah, Dean, they they keep us going. Remember, they're athletes, right? So there's times I have to like back them off. So Tasha Saunders, who's our director of player care, is um, she played three years. I mean, she played four years of soccer at Suwannee the University of the South. Um, She is incredibly energetic. And because of her background as an athlete, this has already been on her mind, right? She's been developing how athletes should be treated differently for years. So it wasn't us necessarily. These these athletes are ripe to make differences with their experiences. Um, She does everything for us. (laughs) She's helped us design the player care curriculum, 
Um, she knocks on doors. She um, she helps athletes individually. She is in Denver, Colorado. So she is the um, on-site player care person for some clubs in and around um, Denver, Colorado. She's fantastic. Derek Furlow is the director of athlete engagement. We met after there was a article in the ten, in the Knoxville paper and we got hooked up um, by a third party who said, you really need to talk to this guy. And his idea was he was going to start an NIL agency. It's called SLB, the agency for the athlete, by the athlete to really bring athletes into the NIL space as it's concerned with mental health, right? We're going to help mental health companies think through NIL from an athlete's perspective. Um, we hit it off and I knew at that moment that he was the person, he had an extensive athletic history, really cared about what he was doing, knew what he was talking about. And I knew pretty quickly that he was going to be able to bring in the caliber of athletes that we need to fulfill some of these contracts that are really important. We have ex-Olympians that want to work for us. We have ex-NCAA championship basketball players, a WNBA champion, because these guys are so committed to bettering the life that they had for the, you know, the next, the next generation. And they really want to help. We're getting ready to start supporting the Athletes Unlimited women's lacrosse and softball season, which I personally can't wait for. And the caliber of athletes that are supporting them from a mental perspective is really hard to imagine. We have Alexis Hornbuckle, who's won the won the NCAA championship and the WNBA championship in the same year. I think that's the only time that's ever happened. So having that person, they're going to engage with her, right? <laughs> they're not going to engage with me, but they're going to engage right. with her. And then Lex can come to me and say, you know what? I really think this person's getting significantly sick and we can step in and help. And we have very, you know, fine protocols put in place. We have supervision several times a week to help support our player care specialists. But it's also such an interesting opportunity for those athletes to give back in a way that they didn't think they were going to be able to give back because they're not licensed. I feel very blessed just two weeks after having Dr. Missy Price on to have met Dr. Kim Quigley and Dr. Brenda McBride from OnRise. We want to get to know OnRise a little bit better because they say your patients deserve excellent care. And we're going to go into different topics, challenge, solution, committed to quality, adaptive to your needs, passionate for people. We're going to break it down to help you. Let's get to know OnRise even better. It's Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast with Dr. Kim Quigley and Dr. Brenda McBride. ECNL Boys is partnering with Puma for the second year, driving sport forward with the leading products and the next generation of pros who wear them. Puma has proven themselves as the fastest sports brand in the world, the fastest innovation, the fastest players, and the fastest products in the game. They're the perfect partner to complement the speed and talent of our teams. In keeping with their mantra of forever faster, Puma introduces the world's fastest boot, the Ultra. The only boot engineered for speed, the Ultra combines a woven upper with a lightweight outsole for direct forward motion, speed, and acceleration. It's the best in the game, designed for the best players in the game. The ECNL is pleased to announce Quick Goal as the official goal provider and partner for ECNL Girls and ECNL Boys, a new partnership created to support the growth and development of the country's top players, clubs, and coaches. At all national events, including national playoffs and national finals, the Quick Goal Coaches Corner will provide hospitality and social space for ECNL girls, ECNL boys, and collegiate coaches. Quick Goal will also be the presenting sponsor of the National championship winning ECNL girls and ECNL boys coaches of the year and the ECNL girls and ECNL boys goals of the year. Quick Goal looks forward to helping the ECNL continue to elevate the standards of youth soccer and provide more opportunities to players on and off the field in the coming years. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. So pleased to be joined by two special guests, Dr. Kim Quigley, who's the CEO of OnRise, and Dr. Brenda McBride, who's the Chief Medical Officer 
for a great team. When we went to break, I told you we're going to come back and get to know OnRise a little bit better. When you go to About Us, it says your patients deserve excellent care. And then they have five kind of core subjects. And if you don't mind, I'd like both of you to break them down where you feel like it needs to be filled in. I'll start with challenge. I'll read it. It says, Many healthcare companies and health plans struggle with providing behavioral health services because of patient acuity, shortage of behavioral health providers, and the high cost of the traditional behavioral health care model. I'll let both of you jump in on challenge. The biggest challenge that faces the mental health community now is access. There is a huge shortage of providers, and when you try and find a provider, you're more than likely going to get one of three answers. You're going to get, I'm not taking new patients, $400 an hour, and I don't take insurance, or I can give you an appointment in four months. So none of those are good options for somebody struggling with a mental health crisis that needs help quickly. So the biggest challenge is access. The other part of challenge is that these populations are incredibly challenging, right? Challenging in that they don't have a health system that is designed for them at all. So getting to appointments, making appointments, engaging, everything in our health system, as we know, is designed to push people towards emergency care. And there are a lot of wonderful, wonderful companies that are out there doing that, trying to get people in, trying to wrap around them with different roles to get them fed and to get their bills, you know, help them get their bills paid and do all these things that contribute to mental health. But it's not the norm, right? It's definitely been a push towards that um, in the last couple of years. But it's still a huge challenge. And then what ends up happening is people end up in the ERs and they end up in costly hospitalizations and and not taking care of their health on the front end. So the challenge is populations and thinking through how we deliver healthcare in a different way that helps to mitigate some of that. So that's what we mean by challenge, both, you know, not not just the the access, which we definitely have with mental health, which is different, but the overall health system in itself is just geared towards emergency care. With every challenge, there's a solution. You very clearly and eloquently write, OnRise designs and delivers a variety of models that are customized to the most difficult to treat and high cost populations, drastically reducing the overall behavioral health spend and improving outcomes. Every population is completely different. So when one health organization or telehealth organization comes in and says, this is our model and it's going to be good for every population, it's just not true. Every single population is unique in the way they accept care, the way they accept health. And remember, mental health is a lot different than other types of Healthcare. It's much more tied to our values and tied to our predisposed ideas about what mental health means in our community. So say you have a, a group of certain people from the middle of the city versus some group that's more rural, they all have different ways of accepting care. And what first has to happen and what we do at OnRise is we spend a good amount of time studying that population what allows them to accept care into their lives, which is important for mental health. So, you know, specifically for athletes, and we've done this across the continuum of difficult populations with autism, we've done it with juveniles who are in incarcerated, we've done it with inner city populations that, um, that never go to the doctor and have very little health care. Um, and all of this started in our residency. I mean, the reason we we did this is the our residency that was led by Kathy Reeves at Temple, who's still there today. Chester is a tough population to get your hands around. And the things we did as residents to help those guys with home visits and them coming into the ER, it was very different than a lot of other residency programs. So we've done it for a long time. We've just learned to think about populations in a different way. And athletes are a very unique population, right? They are very guarded and rightfully so. They have so much on the line and so much to lose that it's a whole different population. And so that's the one thing with using our player care program, we spent a significant amount of time researching how is this going to be taken up by the athletes? And we have a lot of success. We have a pilot right now with the USLPA 
which has 744 athletes that, as you can imagine, are from every different background, socioeconomically, racially, country, ev everywhere, right? And we have had very, very welcome reception by them for a couple of reasons. One, we've offered it through the USLPA, okay? So we're, we're organization agnostic in that way. And we also don't even ask them what team they play for. We don't care. We care that they're healthy humans. We don't care where they're currently at. We care that they're with the USLPA because that's how we um, do things. They contribute to their own. They contribute with their own dues to a per month, per player cost for our coverage that's reasonable because we use the player care specialist. It's something they can afford. They're buying healthcare for themselves through the PA. I mean, that's wild to think about that innovation, but thinking outside of the box like that is what's necessary to get these guys treated. And the engagement part of the solution to the problem is, like him said, we really research the populations, figure out the best way to engage them in whatever way it takes. No doubt that you're committed to quality. Each on-rise clinician is highly trained and has access to our in-house support team to ensure best practices are being upheld and the right care is delivered to achieve desired patient outcomes. Yeah, our staff is a collection of savants in every one of their area. Elaine, who, <laughs> who runs, who's our chief operating officer, she has run medical practices for a very long time, and she has seen all kinds of populations and she gets it. She knows how she has to flex with us. Um, I think she gets a little annoyed with my whiteboard ideas, but she helps me implement every one of those ideas. And she is absolutely on board and committed to our quality. We have a rigorous process with which we um, look at clinicians. Uh, we do use clinicians who have been in the trenches, so to speak. Our nurse practitioner was a hospitalist for very ill adults for years, um, also been in the military. She's an African-American woman who has been through a tremendous amount of racial issues in medicine. Um, she she really is an incredible woman, again, a veteran. And I think, uh, you know, Kevin is our chief clinical officer who has been treating anxiety specifically, which as we know is a huge issue. Um, he has a very kind, uh, gentle bedside manner. Other than the fact that he is a very strong Notre Dame fan, we all uh, <laughs> we all uh, enjoy Kevin. He's had 30 years of clinical experience at this point um, and really has knows how to talk to children and let them validate, you know, validates them along the way. We just have a great team. We also try really hard. We have a lot of grace in our culture. We try really hard to make it a nice place to work. We have not had turnover that you would expect in the mental health industry because we've realized we have to start with that at home in order to keep people keep people going. So you know, we definitely do our best. Um, we have as much experience with telehealth. I've used telehealth primarily as my mode of practice since 2006 because I have chosen rural or inner city. It was the only way to access certain populations. So I would dare say as a clinician, I probably has as much telehealth experience as anybody um, doing mental health that way. So um, I, I think it would be hard to find another team as uh, experienced and ready for these challenges as we are. Very clear that you are at OnRise adaptive to your needs. Dr. McBride, it says no two programs are the same, no matter the size of your program. OnRise works to customize and scale services and availability to your needs in a time and cost efficient manner. Yes. Before we take on any contracts, we do a thorough study of your organization. So we really get down to the nitty gritty of what is it that you're looking for? What is the makeup of the people that you are seeking care for? We will embed ourselves in the culture for a certain amount of time while we figure out what exactly they need and who is likely to utilize our services. Finally, Dr. Quigley, passionate for people. I felt that when I met you at the TST, we're going to talk about that as I'm actually going to keep you guys around for one more segment because you both are amazing. But your last one says passionate for people, 
Kim, it says, we generally enjoy creating a no judgment atmosphere for patients who need to feel heard. Your patients deserve a clinician that wants to work with them and see them get better. I guess it's hard for me to take credit from this. I am a naturally a person that absolutely loves stories. I love stories from all over the world. When I was younger, I would watch movies that you would not really think a kid would watch. I, I would rewatch over and over the stories of El Salvador and Archbishop Romero. I was very odd kid at some point, <laughs> but I loved learning about people's experiences all over the world. And as you probably saw with TST, I don't care who you are. I want to hear what you do and what you are and what your life is. So being a psychiatrist for me and listening to your, your journey is just the greatest job ever. So, you know, being passionate for people, I just really think it's the group of people we've gotten together, judgment and treating people not as equals when they kind of walk in our door or walk onto our screen or walk into our room, that there's any levels between them. That just doesn't work for us culturally. It's our choice, you know, our team, our our house, our rules, right? So, um, but it's just who we always are. We watch, um, you know, we watch and learn and travel and meet people from all over the world. Again, an amazing reason that TST oh, just blew my mind. I mean, I've now had calls this past week with people from Bangkok and Guam and Spain. And I just listen, how do you do things there? It's fascinating. We don't do them that way here. So I don't know genetically how that happened to me. I just was always like that. Brenda's the same way. Kevin's the same way. Our whole team is just really like that. And I think it's, you know, of course we gravitate towards the like-minded people, right? Kismet, right? We That's talked right, about Kismet. <laughs> even my wife into your cabana at TST. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about your partners and we'll wrap up the show with Dr. Kim Quigley and Dr. Brenda McBride from OnRise. You can check them out at onrisecare.com. One more segment after these messages from the sponsors of the ECNL. Soccer.com is proud to partner with the ECNL to support the continued development of soccer in the U.S. at the highest levels. We've been delivering quality soccer equipment and apparel to players, fans, and coaches since 1984. Living and breathing the beautiful game ourselves, our goal at Soccer.com is to inspire you to play better, cheer louder, and have more fun. Visit Soccer.com today to check out our unmatched selection of gear, expert advice, and stories of greatness at every level of the game. From athletes just starting to turn heads to some of the best athletes to ever play their games, Gatorade shows that they are the proven fuel of the best. For the athletes who give everything, nothing beats Gatorade, the studied, tested, and proven fuel of the ECNL. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, our final segment, one of our longer shows, as I had the incredible opportunity through my wife, actually, who doesn't normally go to the soccer games, but I called 14 <laughs> of the 63 games for the TST. Next thing you know, Leah, who's in hospitality, in fact, she's over in Paris right now getting ready for the Olympics, worked her way down to the cabana, ran into Dr. Kim Quickly and Dr. Brenda McBride and came back two nights, three straight nights actually came back to be a part of the excitement and this relationship was formed. The tie into Dr. Missy Price, Kismet, I think I'm saying it right. I mean, it's just incredible. So with that, we already know that you're now working on this partnership with U.S. Club Soccer. You also have some other big-time partners that we've kind of touched on, the Philadelphia Eagles. You just won an award, I think, from the Eagles. Brag about yourself a little bit and talk about your partners if you can. We talked about being Eagles fans for a long time, which we are. Um, started off with uh, the Minister of Defense, Reggie White himself, for me. And then, of course, Brenda living in Center City for her entire life has always been a, a big Eagles fan. This is a fun story. We had this joke in my house that uh, 215 numbers and um, numbers from Philly, I would always answer. You know how you don't answer your phone anymore because they're from all over the world. You don't know who they are. And I had this, this um, of course, my kids are Eagles fans. I've imprinted that on them. And JP last year, I'm on the phone with JP. And I said, and I had put out some feelers because we felt very strongly that our marketing, you know, marketing and and teams and it's not like it used to be, right? It's it's sports partnerships and it's um and it's social media. It's it's things that um, we're having to learn how to do, but that forging relationships in the sports world and finding like-minded organizations 
we had um, a lot of clinical experience in Philly, and that really was was where our heart has been since our early 20s. And um, I had this joke, I'm on the phone with JP, and he was, I don't know, he was, I think he was at soccer or something. He was doing something for soccer. And I said, I got to go, I got to go. It's the, the Eagles were calling because it was a 215 number. And he laughed. He's like, yeah, right. And I pick up the phone and it was Ernie Burrell, the partnership guy for the Eagles. And I just started dying laughing. And he was he was like, what's so funny? I'm like, well, let me tell you what's so funny about this whole thing. And, you know, they are an organization that has not taken on a mental health company before. And we, you know, it's a pretty significant vetting process when you try to, as a, a startup organization, I'll call us that, a young organization, um, align yourself with the Eagles, right? They have a they have an incredible um, Eagles Autism Foundation. They do so much for the community through the Positive Coaching Alliance, gun violence initiatives that they run, the Girls Flag Football League. I mean, the Eagles do so much, and we have great respect for them um, and the mission that Jeffrey Laurie has for the organization. Um, they have a sensory room at the Lincoln Financial Field. It was first one of its kind. It's it's just a fantastic organization. So, you know, we were on board. We just had to get through um, letting them know who we were. And then by the end of that, I think they were on board. And we've we've we're providing 2000 hours of mental health care for victims of gun violence in the Philadelphia school system. We are sponsoring the high school coaches clinic that Nick Sirianni just did. We are um, going to be presenting the Positive Coaching Alliance that's done through Lincoln Financial. Um, and then we're a sponsor of the Eagles Autism Foundation fundraiser, 5K and 10K bike ride that happened in, in May. And we're fortunately able to support the front office staff. That's You talked about employee care. The health of the organization really depends on the health of the people running the organization as well. It's how athletes uh, do much better. So we're supporting them. Um, it's just been a remarkable journey for us. Um, and within, oh my gosh, maybe a month, I knock on my door, UPS man comes, and I have a beautiful Kelly Green throwback Reggie White jersey that my children try to steal all the time. And I've like got almost got to put an alarm on it because they try to steal it all the time. It's the best thing I own. So um, yeah, the Eagles partnership's been fantastic. Um, I think as far as an impact perspective, U.S. club soccer just has so much potential to be life-giving, life-changing for us, life-giving for so many other people. Um, just what a great partnership. And the vision of Missy Price is palpable. And we're just thankful to be on her train and in her court and getting to provide some of the things that she really has a vision for, for U.S. club soccer, for sure. You know, you talked about the importance of our player care staff. A connection um, and relationship that were forged by Tasha Saunders, our director of player care, was with the leadership of the United Black Players Association, which is an incredible organization that is committed to sports um, racial equity in soccer, USL 1 and USL championship players. Um, they do a phenomenal job of education um, and outreach as well. We provide mental health care through the USLPA as well. Um, those two organizations have been just really wonderful learning experiences, and we're very thankful to be able to support them in their initiatives. We do the mental health resource page for the UBP, and then obviously provide care for the UBP through the USLPA, where we support all the soccer players who anonymously come onto our website, put in, put in their information, say they're with the USLPA, and then within 48 hours, they get a call back from a player care specialist who is a former player, really gets where they're at, and it's been really well received. So those are those are huge. Um, we also are an associate partner of NYCFC. Um, that didn't really have anything to do with me reaching out. I was, uh, I guess, waxing poetic about some issue on my soapbox um, about equality and immigration and uh, it was had a reach out from NYCFC, see if we'd be interested in in partnering with them, doing things with their 
soccer in the city programs and their mini pitch programs and supporting their youth and the second team. Um, we're looking forward to possibly doing that um, in the fall. And that's just a really interesting organization um, with the populations that are their fan base, how they bring everybody together every week is pretty remarkable organization from what I've seen. The other organization that we're getting ready to start care with that I can't wait to do is, I mentioned this earlier, was Athletes Unlimited. It's such an interesting experience for women and, and what a remarkable opportunity for women that are involved in softball, lacrosse, and um, basketball, where they do have some options internally, but volleyball, every all the rest of those organiz or all the rest of those women have to go abroad. We've seen how that's not always safe. It's hard on families. It's just a it's just a hard press, and they get to come here for six weeks, compete at a very high level, make some money. So we're going to be able to provide care to them as well, and that's going to be just fascinating to watch as well. Dr. Kim Quigley on the soapbox is worth making this probably the longest <laughs> edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. We're slowly running out of time, but I love before you started talking about the partners that you mentioned the different ways that you've grown your company. And one way is that you didn't mention is networking and the decision for you and, and Brenda and whoever else that said, hey, I want to be in the middle of the TST. And of course, that's where you met my wife, who then allowed me to meet you. And then I was able to go to dinner with Dr. McBride and her lovely daughter, Josie. And it just was an incredible weekend. I think we've now forged a friendship that will last forever. But that networking event on its own, if you both could give a soundbite on the decision to go to the TST, because you were in early, it was almost like you saw through all the weeds. I even saw the weeds. In fact, when I drove up, I thought it was, it was like the fire festival, but by the end of it, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. How did you have the wisdom to know to be involved in the TST would be a great opportunity to network? Good morning. I am just sitting there and I get this text <laughs> and it's a link to an event, the TST, which I had never heard of. I immediately called Kim and we sat there and we talked about it and we really looked into what this is going to entail and what it's going to be like. And in just knowing how fast the sport of soccer is growing in the United States and the, I can't even say it was the caliber of teams coming because we jumped in and I think Kim can, if she, if you remember, there was only one or two teams at the time oh, that, yeah. that they mentioned were coming. But it was just, it just struck us as something that is going to be really fun and that a lot of people will want to go to and we should jump on it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm first and foremost a soccer fan. So any opportunity um, and seven aside soccer is so much fun to watch. So I, I spent the two summers of medical school in Argentina, spent a lot of time watching street soccer. Um, we made a partner, I mean, a, um, a relationship that we're going to make some partnership merch with um, a group called Senda, who was one of the sponsoring partners of Conrad and Beasley, one of the teams there. And, you know, we love street soccer. Fortunately, I've traveled. Um, there's nothing like it. It's so much fun. I didn't have any idea what types of people would be there. I mean, it really was as selfish as anything else to say, let's go and let's get integrated because it it's everything who it's everything that we are. Sports are fun for everybody involved, for coaches, for administrators, for everybody. And small-sided soccer in the US has an a, amazing ability to bring people of so many different backgrounds together. I mean, Dean, how many types of people did we meet? It was an incredible four days and I wish we could do it over. Well, we will, we'll do it over and over and over. Hopefully it'll be for a long, very long time. But I think it really started out with how much fun is this going to be? Um, and it's not as, it's not as high stakes, although it's a million dollars. So it was pretty high stakes. Um, very early on, we're talking about technique differences between indoor teams. I bet the, the arena league here in the United States has not gotten the kind of press that it should for the incredible players that play in the arena league, the United States. And, and that's, you know, the reason, well, I say the reason there's many reasons, but Newtown had a lot of indoor players. And so watching all that and really being a, a 
fan and student of soccer, it was just an incredible experience. And I think everything else was a bonus, the people we met, but I would do it without meeting anybody there just because it was so much fun. Um, it taught my son that, you know, that soccer is still fun. Um, his coach came down with his kids. Um, so we had great time um, with people from all over and we just got to be equals in running back and forth between fields. I mean, I'm 47. When's the last time I've been running <laughs> between fields to, oh, I'm late for this game and late for this game. It, it was just a wonderful experience. And I really am thankful um, to the organizers of TST. I've already written to them and asked them how we can stay involved and how we can be involved. We turned into the primary hospitality cabana because I can't say no to people who want to come in. And, and so, you know, I think hopefully we'll have a role at that for as long as they have it. Dr. McBride, thanks for checking that text and checking it out and getting there because uh, definitely a difference maker. I know my wife and I are honored. All right, now it's what I call my last word or in case you missed it. And I mean it just that way. So if people heard nothing but your final comment about what you do at OnRise and you can find it again at OnRiseCare.com, what do you want to leave them with? We'll start with you, Dr. Brenda McBride. Last word in case you missed it, if they heard nothing else but what you're saying about what you do at OnRise, what do you have to say? We love taking care of the mental health of athletes. I love that. And Dr. Kim Quigley, you have the last word. It's super easy. People are very nice. No one knows about it. Your coaches don't know about it. You know, your organization doesn't know about it. We have the highest level of privacy. Just do it. It doesn't hurt. What a great opportunity to have both of you on this week's edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Dr. Brenda McBride, thanks for being with us. Thank you. It was great being here. And Dr. Kim Quigley, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Dean. Thank you to each and every one of the superstars at the ECNL, including Andrea Wheeler. I also want to thank my producer, Colin Thrash, for each and every one of them. And all of you, I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you in two weeks for another edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Thanks for listening to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. And if you have a suggestion for the show or a great idea for a guest, please email us at info at theecnl.com. Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast is an ECNL production. ECNL, more than a league.